0: Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and last week I talked about a passage that is often misunderstood or applied to the wrong context, and today I want to do kind of the opposite of that, because this passage is very easy to understand, it's just incredibly difficult to put into practice. And it's the passage where Jesus talks about loving our enemies, And so when we go through this passage today, what I want to do is not only talk about what the passage says, but I also want to talk about why we would want to follow what it says. Because what I've come to discover is if we have a hard time doing something or not doing something, it's usually because we don't have a really thorough understanding of why it's important to do that thing or to not do that thing. And I've kind of developed a saying over the years that if your only reason for doing something is because it's good, you're probably not going to do it. And in the same way, if your only reason for not doing something is because it's bad, then you're probably going to do that. And we usually need to have a good understanding of the benefits that come from doing things that are good and the harmful effects of doing things that are bad in order to help encourage us and remind us why we need to be doing things that are good and avoiding things that are bad. So with that in mind, let's begin reading this passage here. It's in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus gives this instruction to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And he goes in to talk about how God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And when He is doing this, he's pointing out that whether someone is good and following God, or whether someone is bad or ch- and chasing after their own sinful desires, that regardless of what kind of life that person lives, that they still get to live in the world that God has created for them, they still experience sunshine and rain, and this is because God loves both of those people equally. God loves those who are serving him and following his paths of righteousness, and he loves those who renounce him and reject him and cause all kinds of all kinds of mayhem in their life and the life of other people. It doesn't matter what kind of life we live, God loves all people equally. of course, living in a life of sin does not bring God joy. <laughs> brings great disappointment from God on our part, and it causes a whole lot of problems to our life in general. So it's not that it doesn't matter how we live, but it's important for us to understand that the way we live does not affect God's love for us. And so the love that God has for us and the love that God has for our enemies is an equal love, And see, when we understand that and we begin to see people through God's eyes, how God loves them and how we are supposed to love them too, as we begin to do that, the benefit that that brings to us is it helps us to see others in a broader perspective, It helps us to see people more clearly rather than just through our tinted glasses of what we think they are like or just in the experiences that we've had with them and the way that they've treated us and to see them, instead of seeing them through that small lens, we get a broader perspective and can see the person behind just what we've experienced from them. We can see the person behind just their actions or their attitudes, and we begin to see the person more clearly and understand that this is a person that God loves and God wants to have a deep relationship with, just like with each and every one of us. But it requires us to kind of break this image of the person that we have and begin to see them more clearly. Because the more you can understand someone, the more you realize that they're not just holy, evil creatures whose sole purpose is to ruin your life. (laughs) There's, There's more to them than just that. And I think we have all kind of experienced that at some point in our life where we saw somebody that we hated and saw that they were just out to get us. And then over time we realized that that really wasn't the case. And I think all of us go through that when we're children and teenagers at ends with our parents, where we want to do something, we want to go somewhere or participate in something, and our parents say no, they put rules and boundaries into our life and tell us that we have to do things we don't want to do and we can't do things that we want to do. And usually when you know, when you're a kid, you're thinking, "How can my parent treat me like this? How can they act this way towards me? And I just want to go and have fun and, and do these great things and they just won't let me and they don't understand me. And boy, if, if they just weren't around, my life would be so much easier. And then we grow up. And we realize that the rules and boundaries that were set in our lives, weren't to grind us into the dirt. It wasn't to drive us down. But it was done out of a desire to protect us. And, of course, I'm not excusing any parent that is overprotective or, or a parent that, who tries to control their kids' lives to an extreme degree. But even in those circumstances, it's not that the parent is doing it because they want to destroy their child's life, they're just trying to protect their child, and doesn't make it okay, but when we can understand at least a little bit that the motivation at play, the attitude towards you is not one of destroying you, it's not one of, of trying to tear your life apart, then it helps us to see the person behind those actions a little more clearly. And if we have great parents, how much more applicable is it when we grow up and realize that they were doing what they needed to do to protect us and keep us safe and help us to grow into the people that we are today? But that process of understanding only happens when we take this broader perspective of realizing that that person is so much more than just the ways that we don't like them or the ways that they've hurt us. And so often we can get caught up in that hurt that we have experienced from someone and always force everything that that person does and says to be seen through that lens of hurt. And in order for us to actually see the person behind that, We have to be able to look beyond our own hurt to the person themselves and to see that person in the way that God sees them. And when we can do that, when we begin to understand all of the people in our lives in that sense, then it allows us to see people more clearly and to see it in a more truthful way rather than a way that we've been lying to ourselves about them. And so when we begin this process that starts with looking at people through the eyes of God, as we begin that process, it helps us to see that person and and really many other things in our life more clearly. And we become wiser in recognizing lies and in understanding what is and is not true. So that's one of the benefits that comes from loving our enemies. So then Jesus goes on to talk about how if you love those who love you, what reward will you get from that? And I kind of want to focus on that word reward and walk through this with you. Because if we love someone who loves us, what kind of reward do we get from it? Well, it's somebody who already loves us. They already care about us. So we aren't earning any kind of love from that person because we already have that love. So they might express their love to us in various ways, right? They might encourage us. They might give us gifts. But they would probably do that regardless of the way that we treat them because they love us. And even then, well, what are you receiving from them? Well, you're receiving things that Are beneficial to you and not really beneficial to anyone else just you now what happens if you love someone who does not love you what kind of fruit comes out of that what kind of reward is earned as you love someone who does not love you maybe it's somebody who doesn't have anyone else really showing them love in their life And so they've hardened their hearts and they now view everyone as their enemy. Well, what happens when you begin to love that person? What can happen is it can soften their hearts. And then what kind of reward is taking place? It's not just you receiving something from them. It's somebody who's been living with a hardened heart that you can begin to see that heart soften. And now as they've put up these walls to Keep other people out from hurting them but those walls also keep out people who want to take care of them and love them as you see those walls begin to come down that person begins to receive the love of others and you can begin to see their life change so part of the reward that comes from loving an enemy loving someone who does not love you is that can begin to have a positive change on their life and in the lives of everyone that person interacts with. And then, of course, especially if that, someone, if that person is someone who does not know God, and through your love for them, you're able to break down some of those walls guarding their heart and begin to talk to them about this God who loves them just as he loves you and the relationship that he wants to have with them, that they may see the light, understand the truth, and give their heart to God. And then another name is written in the book of life, another soul is saved, and what greater reward could there possibly be out of any work that is ever done than a soul returning to Christ? That is the greatest reward. That is the most meaningful of any work, any task that we set out to do. And so when we are loving our enemies, rather than just loving those who love us, and then we receive good things from them, that now we are loving our enemy and we are participating in the most meaningful of work, which is the winning of souls. And when we're doing that, when we're loving our enemies, it keeps us focused on that work. It keeps us from being focused on ourselves and it keeps us focused on the work that God is wanting to do in this world. And this very much is the work that God wants to do in this world. And God cares so much about lost people. He cares so much about people who don't know them. And he cares about them So much that he even tells this parable in Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14, about how important it is to reach lost people. Jesus says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So this parable shows us that God finds so much more joy in a lost person coming to him, a lost person being found, somebody giving their life to God, he finds so much more joy in that than about any righteousness done among the righteous. Because when we love those who love us, it mostly benefits just us. And it benefits us in ways that are temporary, ways that really don't have much significance in the eternal spectrum of things but when we love our enemies the impact it has on the eternal is so much more and that's where our focus needs to be our focus needs to be on that eternal struggle that is always taking place that war for people's souls. And if we're only loving those who love us, then we're not focused on that. It requires us to love our enemies as well. And I love that Jesus then really uses these pointed questions to drive that home. Where he says, you know, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And the tax collectors were probably the least popular people at that time. And he even goes on to ask, you know, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And he really points out here that pagans, tax collectors, people who openly live in a life of sin, they only love their own people. They only love people who treat them well. They only love people who love them back. And if that's how you live, if if you live in a way where you only love people who love you back, you're only nice to people who are nice to you, then you are no different than someone who has no relationship with God. Your life looks the same. And so for me... This call to action, to love those who don't love me, to love my enemies, I see it as a reminder of who I'm supposed to be, that I'm not supposed to be like the rest of the world. I'm not supposed to be like someone who does not love God and who rejects who God is. I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. And my life should reflect that. My life shouldn't look like the lives of everyone else. I shouldn't treat people the way that those who don't know God treat people. There's a higher standard that is set for me as a follower of Christ, and my life needs to look like that. Otherwise, my claims of being a follower of Christ really become hollow and empty because it looks just like the life of everyone else. And there's an old saying that I think applies really well to this, where if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And we look at our lives with the understanding that those who love those who love them, who only greet their own people, And that term own people can be put into a lot of context but we understand right who's our people and who's not our people and i'm not just talking about racially i'm talking about beliefs as well i'm talking about same interests or same personality types if we only greet those who are our people if we only greet our own people That's what pagans do. That's what the tax collectors were doing. That's what everybody else did. What are you doing more than others? So if that's all we do, we just greet our own people, we only love those who love us. If it looks like a duck, cracks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's probably a duck. If we only love those who love us, greet our own people, nice to those who are nice to us, like the pagans do, then are you really a follower of Christ? Because your life is not reflective of Christ. It's reflective of those who don't know God. It's reflective of those who reject God. It's reflective of those lives of people who only serve themselves. And so in this call, this challenge to love our enemies. As we do that, it reminds us of who we are meant to be, that we are meant to be followers of Christ. We're not to be like the rest of the world, and we should have a life that reflects the character of Christ. And again, it's easy to understand that, and it's really difficult to put into practice. But I think if we understand these reasons of why it's important, That we're able to have a more clear perspective, focused on things that truly matter, so that we can live a life that we are called to live, a life that reflects Christ and is not like the rest of the world. That's why it's so important for us to do this. And when we can understand why that's important, I think it helps motivate us to do this thing that is difficult. It's not easy but it's what we're called to do and it's worth it. And it's certainly so much more worth it than ignoring this teaching that Christ has given to us. And so I want to leave us with the question of how do you treat your enemies differently than you would if you did not know Christ? And is there any difference? If you did not know Christ, if you were not a follower of God, the way that you treat your enemies, would it change at all? How does God want you to treat those who don't love you, those who are not nice to you? He calls us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. And our life needs to reflect that character of Christ and so we do know Christ we know who he is we know what he has done for us what he has sacrificed for us even while we were still sinners he died for us and because of that and because of this teaching if we truly are followers of him the way we treat our enemies should look differently than if we don't know him So how do you treat your enemies now? How have you treated them? Is it any different than you would have if you did not know Christ? And since you do know Christ, how will you treat your enemies going forward? How will you love them? How will you pray for them? Because it can't be like the rest of the world. It has to be like Christ. And that is today's Sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, like it, share it, rate it, all of those things to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Thank you for taking the time to study God's word with me. And I pray that God's love and blessings will be upon you as you go throughout your day. See you next week.